Hello. Hey, Kai. Hey, Michael. Uh, so, uh, I'm sitting here in my uh, steamy hot office because I uh, haven't done the air conditioners yet. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, today, uh, for those uh, who are going to historically try to figure out when this was recorded, <laughs> uh, <laughs> was an unexpectedly warm day here in the city. Yeah. So, you and I have started teaching our summer courses. Yes, that is true. Although, technically, I'm not teaching my class. I'm the coordinator for it. But oh, yes. okay. But, yes, I, I am, yeah. Yeah, and you're doing the, uh, what Columbia calls the, the Columbia Photo Program calls the Summer Intensive. Yes, we do the Summer Photo Intensive. It's a six-week class, and uh, the part that makes it especially intense is it's usually five days a week, and um, we bring in visiting artists. Uh, in fact, tomorrow we've got Eileen Quinlan coming in, and on Tuesday, right after Memorial Day, we've got uh, Jeffrey Henson Scales coming in. It's just a little bit of everything, and we've got 15 students this summer, which is our biggest class yet. Wow, yeah. yeah. And uh, what, what summer program are you running? So I'm, I'm trying something new. It's, it's a hybrid course, so partially in class, partially online. Um, it's not my preferred way to teach, but uh, my college really wants more of these um, uh -huh. and because it does attract more students. I get, I get a lot of students uh, who live in New Jersey but um, are attending four-year institutions outside of New Jersey who need a, you know, a, an aesthetic appreciation credit or a visual arts credit or something like that. So it's, it's introduction to digital photo, actually, which I just renamed <laughs> digital photo one uh, this yeah. semester. And, uh, but it's good. So, so, you know, we, we spend four hours a week in class and then they have a combination of watching video tutorials and shooting outside of class. So I'm just going to see how it goes. I don't, you know, I don't mind them doing the all the um, instruction, you know, software instructional work outside of class that kind of frees us up in class to talk a lot more about photography. Right. And uh, one of our upcoming guests uh, is also doing some distance teaching through via Skype and things like that. So it certainly is uh, something that's become possible now through the Internet and technology, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, like you said, uh, one of our upcoming guests, um, you know, we, I, we've had a few guests who do workshops, and some of these workshops are online now. Yeah. And other news, did you, you went to the Mary Ellen Mark event at Aperture? I did. So um, the reception for uh, Mary Ellen Mark's Tiny Revisited uh, show was up at Aperture, and, you know, it was so beautifully laid out. It's kind of year by year, you know, over oh. the span of 1983 to about 2014. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be going to see it with uh, the photo intensive class, but I haven't been to see it yet. Oh, that's great. And and the the documentary that Mary Ellen and Martin Bell put together is being shown in Seattle uh, you know, on the story of Tiny and uh, also will be shown at BAM, I believe, in June. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the, the odd thing, not the odd thing, the, I guess the... I don't even know how to describe it. The, the, the re it wasn't planned, but the reception fell on the evening of the one-year anniversary of Mary Ellen passing. Wow. So it was, you know, both a celebration and a little somber and just a, a nice night for everyone who knew her to get together. Right. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So what about you? Have you uh, going around visiting any shows? I have not been to a single show because I'm, I'm uh, pacing myself. As part of the <laughs> intensive, I, I also lead a gallery crawl oh. through Manhattan. 
So uh, that's in two weeks, and um, we'll hit everything that's open. And uh, it's kind of funny. It's definitely one of my New Yorker type of things to do because I'm like, all right, onward. And we like, <laughs> by the time we're halfway done, these uh, you know these kids who are 20 years younger than me are starting to drag along. You know? <laughs> I wear them out. More that's art. Right, that's right. We're not done yet. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so no, I, I have not been to see anything. You know. Okay. Uh, so our guest uh, on this upcoming episode that I'll be releasing very shortly uh, was Louisa Marie Summer, and that is someone you introduced me to. Exactly, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um, yeah, Louisa, well, I, I tell in the, on the podcast how I met her, so I don't mm-hmm. need to do it in the introduction. But, um, yeah, it was great that we were able to meet up with her while she was in town. I know she's uh, had just had a show open, and now she's on the road again. So uh, nice that we were able to, to catch her while she was here. In some ways, Louisa has this kind of a social reform idea about photography. I mean, she's a she works in the documentary tradition, uh, and she very much is interested in the underserved and the underprivileged. Yeah, and she uh, like you'll hear that she works uh, for an organization uh, trying to bring you know get skills to people who need them, and I think she sees her role as a photographer as uh, a, a way of also you know, bringing people's stories out into the world. So absolutely. It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. I hope everyone uh, enjoys. It was nice talking to you. I, I like the last thing I was going to say is uh, I feel pretty good that we have uh, three already recorded. Like That's this is right. Probably, this is the first time we've been uh, <laughs> so far ahead. <laughs> We're ahead of the curve. You know, I would like to put out a call if people could comment on our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, on the show itself, in the comment section, if they would prefer a once a week release or a twice a week release. I, I'm starting to think people prefer the, twi- uh, I'm sorry, not twice a week, once every other week mm. because it gives them time to really kind of listen and catch up. But I'd be curious to hear feedback on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a, I'm of the opinion of the every other week, but I'd love to hear people say, no, I'm stuck in my car. And I <laughs> That's right, like me. <laughs> See, I love, I love the once a week releases because I am in my car a lot. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so we'll, All right. we'll see. We'll have, enjoy the show. <laughs> All right, talk to you soon. It is an S, yeah. but like a harder I, S. I think I pronounce it also. Yeah, sometimes people get confused how I say it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hello. Uh, we're here today with Louisa Marie Summer. Uh, we're meeting in my office at Columbia University, this palatial office that I share with Thomas <laughs> Roma. And I'm joined with, of course, uh, my co-host, Michael Dalton. Hi, Michael. Yeah. I go by Michael Chauvin Dalton now. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I was actually going to bring something up about the three-person name. Are you going to really go by it? Yeah, yeah, and, oh. yeah. You know why? You know why I go by the three names? No, tell me. Because there's another Michael Dalton there's out there. There's too many Michael Daltons, and half of them are wedding photographers or musicians. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a problem. <laughs> Is that also... What about you? You've got the three names uh, as well when you're listed. Is that why? Is there a Louisa Summer out there that's a bad photographer that you're avoiding? <laughs> Actually not, no. <laughs> I I don't know. Some At some point, I decided I like the three names, and mm. you know, but 
I got yeah. lucky, I guess, with my name. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, we also have a, another photographer that we know, um, Joseph Lopez, who is, right. insists on going by Joseph Michael Lopez. Like you, if you, I know him. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah, if you leave out the Michael, he gets upset. So <laughs> I know it's like, it's what you've said. Now I could start going by my whole name, which is Tani Ehukai McBride. But wow, much too nice long. one too. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so if you, yeah, if you ever had trouble finding a domain, that'd be the way to go. But. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although now, if we after we release this, someone might take it over, right? <laughs> Uh, but anyways, we're delighted to be here today uh, with Louisa Marie Summer and uh, talk about your work and everything that's going on. And, and part of the reason I was prompted to uh, reach out to you is I just received an email from you about uh, an exhibition that just went up recently, right? Yeah. So maybe we should just start uh, jump in right at that and talk about that body of work and how that show came about. And then we'll we'll break off from there and talk about other things as well sure yeah so yeah first of all thanks for having me <laughs> oh, of course <laughs> it's sure. a great experience and yeah so just uh, two weeks ago on sunday i opened my exhibition in kent connecticut at ober gallery and he's a um, gallery i've been showing with for four years now hmm. and um, i'm showing work from siberia where I traveled in 2013 and the show is called what remains of the future siberia hmm. And um, well, the, it's it's an interesting proje project actually because I was assigned by the Russian news agency Ria Novosti to travel ah. um, somewhere in Russia um, to do a project for the G20 meeting that mm. was happening in 2013 in Russia, Saint Petersburg actually. And well, I mean, I got the opportunity to travel wherever I want to, so I decided. Yeah, so they said wherever you want to go in Russia, you could pick the place. And correct, yeah, oh, amazing. And um, I was invited as a German photographer representing mm -hmm. Germany. And I um, decided I want to travel on Federal Highway Amur. That's the last part of the transcontinental through road. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pictures from very remote areas along the highway. I was driving for one week. It's about 1.3 miles. 1,300 miles. Right, right. <laughs> I hope it's longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's portraits of people who live along, and I was really curious, okay, what does it do to those people who live in such remote areas when they all of a sudden have a kind of fancy highway that runs through the country? What mm. I mean, for years, I mean, 2004, it was opened by Putin, but it was more or less still a dirt road. And then in 2010, they finished it as a paved road, and I drove there in 2013. So it was kind of still very fresh. And, and, yeah. and did it break up neighborhoods? Did it sort of split towns, things like that? No, there are <laughs> not many towns. <laughs> oh, okay. I think there was only one that was really close to the town, mm. or maybe two when the road kind of went through and the others you have to take a dirt road because all of the side roads are still not paved and so dirt roads. so this is a new highway it wasn't part of like the existing old highway system because at some point like on the way to um Vladivostok that you gets to the road of bones they call it right from the old Siberian war camps that those roads they built is it part of that system or is this is a a brand new highway you think as far as i know there was kind of a almost unpassable path. I mean, not, mm. not a road to drive on, especially winter, there was nothing. Mm. Um, but yeah, villagers have to, you know, commute from one village to the other. But having it as a highway, it's, it's new. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, they probably paved it and mm. made it fancier. So what did you see? I mean, what kind of changes did you notice? Or because you, did, you this is your first time there, right? Yes. So um, how did you know if things had changed or things like that? That's always tricky, right? If you ask about change and you, you're there for the first time, but I had, I mean, I had a driver who was 
my dolmetscher as well. And we ask people, you know, do you use the road? Is it helpful? And in most cases, it, is, it isn't helpful because um, they don't even have cars. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> or, <laughs> or they just, yeah, I mean, maybe it's only faster to get from A to B, but it's not a lot of traffic on the road. And a small businesses um, like a gas station or road restaurant, that's the benefit for the people who live there, that they build new businesses. And otherwise, it hasn't changed their lives much, yeah. And which section did you see? Because I imagine from a week, was that, that wouldn't be long enough to go the whole length of it. I would well, think. I drove the last part of this mm. road. That's um, And it's the Amur Highway. So it's a particular, mm. they even have a milestone saying here starts the road. And it actually mm. starts in Cheetah. That's east of the Balkar Lake. For those people who know a little bit the area, yeah. it's really far east of right. Russia, Siberia. And then it goes to Khabarovsk. And that's almost at the end where Japan begins oh, wow. so that was interesting mentioning japan that a lot of um cars from japan are getting driven into the country from japan uh. so that's actually the most cars you see are cars without a number plate right, right. just on their way getting yeah two days and then the people drive the road really fast and a few trucks and almost no visitors maybe i, I met one guy who was traveling by bicycle I'm not bicycle, I'm sorry, I'm a motor bicycle. Nah, motorcycle. <laughs> motorcycle. <laughs> and uh, so then your plan was to just spend this week and see what you discovered and photograph people along the way, but mostly portraits you were interested in making? or Yeah, I really enjoy photographing people. That's I find most interesting. Um, besides, of course, I was also capturing the landscape, what's very mm. beautiful as well, but I really... Um, my work is based on on humans i would say and well i sat in the car i guess most of the day right. so you have to really kind of make an effort in order to meet people mm. and because most as i said only a few villages are along the road so i try to you know pick out a few places who are really close to the road and mm. then get out of the car and walk around and picture i really like is for example from a gas um from a restaurant and people ask me how did you get there and yeah i mean i just went there to get my food as well. Mm -hmm. So often it was kind of where I was, I photographed. And people were shy, and but on the same time still open and curious. Mm -hmm. Okay, they've never seen somebody maybe who comes from as far. And so, yeah. And sometimes I only met people from very short, but then still I had the opportunity to enter their houses. And that's, I mean, that's very generous of Yeah, them. very much yeah. so. Are you, the photograph you mentioned, is it the one of the, I think it looks like a young woman sort of like leaning up against, like she's a cashier or something? Is that the one yes. at the restaurant? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I like that picture too. And so you got invited into people's homes though as well. I did, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's, I think that has something to do with uh, the kind of photographs that you're allowed to make are the ones that, you know, you show up in town, you make, have some brief conversations with people, next thing you know, you're being invited into their home. You know, Michael shows up and they, you're like burning an effigy <laughs> of him and they're running him out of town. And you know what I mean? Like, so it, that, that's an, I imagine, I know we're going to talk about your other projects too. That's, that's actually a, a big part of your work is the fact that you're, you're able to put people at ease and you, you make work where you need to um, get close to people and, and spend time and become intimate with them, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's that's a challenge. I mean, as well for me than <laughs> yeah. most of us. 
Um, it's a it's a collaboration between the photographer and the viewer, and the photographer and the person who gets. Yeah. You have to establish a kind of trust, and often in very short time, and probably it helps how you yeah yeah react but that, with them. And like like I was saying, it, it's part of how you work, and and some some of your projects are longer term. We'll get to those, and but this one was particularly short term. But I think your interests are similar uh, on your website. You mentioned being interested in, in social and economic structures and the underprivileged. And, and so you, it, it seems like whether that, you know, with this week-long project or a long-term project, you still have this this interest in people and how they live uh, and how they're affected by other influences on their lives. Yes, definitely. I feel photography gives me the privilege of entering people's places and homes and get to know them, right? I mean... Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I, without photography, I wouldn't have been there. So I see it really as luck that I can do what I love to love to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Unless you object, Michael, I was going to go all the way back to the beginning. And, oh, and, we should. Yeah. yeah. And so talk about how you got into photography. And we uh, see on your, on your CV that you went to school in Germany for photography, and then you got your master's degree later. But how about the first camera? Or what? what why did you even apply to go to... Uh, school in the first place for photography. Okay, so we're going back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> going back five years, six years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I come. I come from a family where art was. I was just surrounded by art. We would always go to museums and look at pictures, and not only photography, but also, of course, paintings. And mm. well, of course, this is in Munich. That's in Munich. And yeah. Munich has all kinds of. We have some great, yeah, great, great museums, museums yeah. and um, and then in school, I already had as my majors at the end. Art and French, hmm. actually no English. <laughs> and there well, we can switch to French now. <laughs> I actually can't uh, speak French. Oh, oh good, because I wouldn't have known any better. <laughs> C'est très dommage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so you so, say yeah, your family was art. They were taking you to museums, and you there was a bit of a, a feeling of art in the household. But was were out of your parents photographers or? No, they are scientists, and my mom is even a pharmacist. Um, but my dad was an ambition hobby photographer, and he had like a big SLR. So when we would uh, travel together as a family, he would always take pictures. And one day I decided, you know, I want to try this. I want to take some pictures. And he, yeah, he, I think, was the, really the first person who introduced me to photography. And he had a little dark room in his, um, next to his work. Oh, uh, so he went there with me and I developed my first film and um, so then and how old were you then? Uh, probably 14 or something okay. yeah. that's a great time to get into the dark room I yeah mean. no I guess yeah I was lucky <laughs> and then <laughs> I um, yeah I went off from there and decided as I mentioned earlier I want to do more art so I studied art and at the end for my thesis I made my first photo photography project mm. about a street in Munich where I kind of grew up close to my house, my mom's pharmacy, so a place I would always revisit. Mm. And I made also my first book then. Ah. It, there's only one copy. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's it's, nice. It's yeah. black and white. You won't believe it. <laughs> nice. Do you, do you have that book? I have it, it, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. But already you were, so it was a bit of a documentary project. You were looking at a place and going and exploring there, right? Yeah. But it's interesting. Looking back, I mean, you really can see that was the first step of growing into something. I mean, mm. I was way more distant and mm -hmm. using maybe bigger lenses, longer lenses, mm. and now I'm back to 50 or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, being close. I mean, even, yeah, I mean, I really like to, yeah, be close with the people, as I, we, we spoke about earlier, and mm. therefore you need to 
yeah, even maybe 35, yeah. depending on... <clears throat> You're not photographing birds, you know. Yeah, no. <laughs> I was... Uh, Animals. <clears throat> I, when I was riding my bicycle in this morning uh, from Brooklyn, I was going through Central Park, and this guy came out of somewhere in Central Park, and he had the longest lens I think I'd ever seen on a camera, like, especially handheld, you know. I was like, is there, you know, looking mm -hmm. for something exotic. But I, I'd also like to hear, because we don't hear as much about the the German education system here, especially for the arts. Like, in my mind, I've got, of course, there's the Dusseldorf school where, you know, you'd go and you'd meet the Bechers every six months or something and hang out or something, and then you're off doing your own work. So it was very much this kind of opened, you know, Kunst Academy kind of way of doing. And then I also remember reading uh, things that, like, George Grote's writing about when he was in art school, mm -hmm. that he was spending 12 hours, maybe not 12 hours a day, but spending hours and hours, weeks after weeks, just with a pencil and paper copying plaster busts of people, you know? So it was like this idea of the training where you're going to do, you're going to learn exactly all of the, you know, the basics before you go off and do something else. So those are the two artistic models for education I've heard about coming out of Germany. I'd be curious to hear what, uh, what, how they treated photography and what you were doing while you were there. And mm -hmm. you went to the university of applied science sciences in Munich Yes. For photo design, I think. For it's... photo design, yeah. We never really figured what photo design means or where is the difference <laughs> to photography. Yeah, I was going to ask you the same question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that there is any, honestly, but it was kind of a design study. So they figured maybe we do communication design and then also photography design, photo design. And the name, yeah, actually the school is, has goes back to a long history. It's been more than 100 years. And um, it was called Fachakademie. And it was private, and then they slowly de included it into the University of Applied Sciences. And what I, yeah, we also had to move out of our nice <laughs> building, where we had a lot of dark rooms, um, really beautiful studios. And as you um, were asking earlier, we do um, so. School in Germany is, I mean, it was a four-year kind of um, diploma degree, and mm. you had. The two years in the beginning were really kind of structured and technical. And I don't know, we were shooting jewelry and stuff with large format cameras mm -hmm. in studios. And we had different, like it was all sorts of aspects of photography. We had portraiture, landscape, mm -hmm. journalism, How to fashion. photograph things with mirrors and all yeah, that kind yeah. of all that So stuff, it's yeah. good because it gives you really a good basis to mm -hmm. start off. And then the, the next two years you were able to yeah find your niche what you kind of want to focus on more and there was a time where i guess i found that i really enjoy working with people and do more documentary and, and ventured to the republic of georgia for my thesis mm. and photographed um, youth culture hmm. so that was separate from your other you also said you were photographing near your mother's pharmacy and yeah this this was school and the other th ah, the okay. other the first was, was like high school. university high school ah, yeah, okay yeah. And then the other was for your, for, okay, great. So your interest in documentary started before university then. It did, And yeah. it just, it, did it just carry through? It did. I mean, I took, as most Germans, I guess, do after school, like primary school. I, not, yeah, primary, is it? Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah, grade school, primary, yeah. Yeah, I went to Australia and traveled and I had a camera and kind of was exploring. And then I did an internship at um, um advertising company, to find out, okay, if I really want to be more the photographer or maybe more in communication design. And mm. there I figured, yeah, I really rather prefer taking pictures than mm. 
doing the design but now i feel we have to do everything anyways <laughs> including film and building our own websites and <laughs> ah, yes yeah definitely <laughs> um but okay i want to come back quickly to the school system so yeah this is it's way more i would say um well it's structured at the beginning for the four years you get a good base mm. and then becomes more free and also if you go to the Kunstakademie, for example there's a nice one in, in munich as well mm. as in other cities that's um, in comparison to RISD where I went, way more loose. So you you meet maybe once, twice a week and mm. show your projects. And otherwise you really are independent on working on your own projects. And at RISD, I felt there's way more classes I have to attend and more also critical writing about it. But actually was really nice. Um, it was actually very conceptual, the photography department. Mm. It was an MFA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you, mm -hmm. so when you were finishing up your... You had like a thesis advisor, you would say, in Germany that you would meet with twice a week or once a week to show the progress yeah. you were making. But yeah. otherwise, you weren't taking classes. You were just making work for two years. Um, not at the, the school I went to. It was mm. still with classes. Yeah, okay. But okay. I was mentioning the other school you could go afterwards to do kind of a master. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, now our system is more than the American, but when I was studying, it was still um, a little bit different with diploma, and then you can go to Kunstakademie and, and keep studying, right. yeah. And, yeah, and in this country, Dusseldorf wound up being famous mostly because, I think... Because of the know, teachers, right? The yeah. teachers and all of the, the artists that came out of there, and obviously their heavy influence on their work, you know. Mm. Um, so how did you end up at RISD, Rhode Island School of Design? I felt I wanted to live abroad and also America, for example, because to see a different photography environment, because I feel photography has a long history here and also um, documentary, photog <laughs> documentary <laughs> photography. <laughs> yeah, so I looked at a few schools, um, most of them in New York and then people told me oh if you do a master you definitely should apply for RISD Yale but I missed the deadline so I didn't even apply to Yale and yeah I was lucky they only take seven students and I was one of them nice. now but you yeah. knew that it wasn't in New York right I knew but I was never there I mean I really yeah, yeah. went there and started yeah, yeah. studying and that's yeah. um the first time I've been really to live in America mm. in a small American city and Mm. maybe that's a good link to my f first project I did here is Jennifer's family um, what wasn't really planned it was kind of yeah I, I think it came out of my experience there and I I have a great quote from mm -hmm. you that I'd like to read okay. uh, <laughs> and this is about working on this project Jennifer's family and the quote says upon arriving from Germany I was shocked to find the America of my imagination, a place where everyone is well-educated and privileged, to be instead a place with a great deal of poverty and despair. Yeah, that sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, not, I mean, we do have poverty, of course, in Germany as well, but it, it I think, you know, living in, in, in Europe and then there's all these ideals and things you learn about america and they are different than when you live there and right. i was really struck by the, the closeness of poor and rich living together and not that there's maybe one person sitting on the street and doesn't have a home but it's really you you cross one street and you're in a very different neighborhood and everybody there is kind of yeah in some ways maybe in poverty or 
different communities. And so I was fascinated by, especially, you know, Providence is is a town with a lot of great schools and there's therefore also more people with money and mm. rich kids walking around and then you really go into the other side of town and you really see different people. So yeah, and it was also in 2008 and 2009 when the country was kind of oh, yeah. going through a rough time and Obama was elected and um, and foreclosure was happening. A lot of them, so, yeah. A lot of them, right. And the first... Um, idea why I would even go into South Providence where Jennifer lives was because I was looking to find people who are in foreclosure. Mm. Not only those empty houses, but I was really curious who lives there, who is really affected by it. Mm. That brought me to Providence, um, South Providence, and I met Jennifer's children first. They mm. were playing hide and seek and I was watching them and then I, you know, <laughs> started to talk to them and then I noticed Jennifer looking out of the window kind of worried, you know, who is this yeah. white girl because this is obviously more black neighborhood or Hispanic. And I asked the kids, yeah, if I can talk to their mother. And there was the first introduction and we talked for half an hour. And at the end, I asked for the numbers and I even managed to get into her house and mm. took a few pictures and went back and I kept going back. So it really is a project that developed. I wasn't planning on, you know, project about one particular family but for me it really helped me to understand a little bit better what's, what's going on here and yeah and then you spent two years working on that project right yeah, yeah. even yep. a little bit more than you know a book takes also some time uh, yeah yeah but but before we even talk about the whole process do you remember the first time you spoke to jennifer what what that conversation was like how you sort of explained what you were doing yeah um she told me right away that you know, she was, okay, who are you? What are you doing? Kind of rough a little bit. But I understand. I mean, you know, I just entered their space. And um, yeah, I can imagine the scenario being reversed where it was me like talking to their kids and it probably wouldn't have gone nearly as well. I mean, I think it, it uh, you, a lot of the times you're photographing and maybe we'll talk about this later is you're, you're coming in as an outsider, but an outsider, not just from you know, another town, but an outsider from in another country, right? When you're showing up in Russia, you're the German showing up, you're going to even Australia, I guess, but they've seen plenty of Germans there. But that now when you, as soon as you open your mouth and start to have a conversation with, with Jennifer, it's clear that, you know, any preconception she has about who you might be have to shift because you're somebody else, right? Yeah, I guess this probably was part of her being more open and also curious in some ways. Okay, this this girl and she's obviously from somewhere else and they actually always thought I'm Russian somehow. They <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the blonde hair, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it probably helped and I, um, I remember that she also recalls that I would show her my ID just to really have a proof of, okay, I'm here and I'm at the school and I'm, I'm a student. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I told her, yeah, I mean, I want to do a project and I'm looking for subjects and if she's open, I'm happy to come back. Yeah. And then you quickly then, I assume, well, I'm putting words in your mouth. Did you quickly then get access to? Um, well, I, I got the number, right? But yeah. unfortunately the number wasn't working. <laughs> Not sure uh. what was the mistake, but. I've, they always change the numbers, and so now I know that was probably not on purpose, but just... Mm. Um, Circumstances. Yeah, and then I I had to push myself a little bit of kind of really just going back to the house. I remembered where it was and 
knocked on the door, right? And mm. then I heard the kids screaming, oh, it's it's a photographer, mom. <laughs> 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 and yeah, and they opened and let me in. And it, it always stayed very spontaneous, my visits, because mm. trying to make appointments with her it's kind of difficult. She has this sleeping epilepsy where her memory is kind of, she gets like her short-term memory is not very well. And then, mm. I don't know, whenever I made plans, she wasn't home or something. So, <laughs> I yeah, it was always very natural. I would just go and see. And if she's not there, I would hang out. I mean, I got to know not only her like, intimate family, but also friends. And it was a very open house, but I guess also helped me to become closer and being accepted because they were used of people come by and just say hi and hang out and chill as they would yeah, as right. they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you do you think you took on the role as a kind of quiet observer or were you much more engaged with them on a day-to-day basis? Mm, it depends. Sometimes I was more a quiet observer, but I also would engage, I guess, especially with the kids. They were really happy to see me and at the end it also shifted a little bit that I was really helping out with things. So it was not me anymore going to her, but it was Jennifer calling me and saying, hey, Louisa, can you come by? We need help or we want to go grocery shopping. Can you drive us? So, but that was a way of me also giving back what, you know, what giving me the access and the opening right. up. I'm, that was something I would give back. So it was became interesting because we would do a lot of things together. And I just always had my camera with me. And also when we were home, there was, yeah, sometimes nothing was happening and you just sit and then you're like the quiet observer and you take a picture when there's this decisive moment. Otherwise, yeah, I just have fun with them or we, we do things. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I was lucky enough that you gave me a copy of the book. So I do have a copy of it and I've looked through it and I can remember, and I don't have it in front of me, but I can remember there are some photographs in there that are kind of intense, like that you... Did you get the sense that while you were there for so long that and you became, um, you were an outsider so much anymore that the things were able to happen around you that um, that wouldn't have happened if they were more suspicious of you, you know? I, the, the long way of asking, I mean, there's a long way of putting the question is just that I have a feeling that you were able to photograph some things because they were used to you being there and that it became natural that this person was in our house photographing does that seem fair? It does, yeah. But I have to say, um, because I hear the question a lot, that people say, okay, because you spend so much time with them, you got the access. And I have a few images that are really intimate from the beginning. And I mm. guess they were probably not thinking I would photograph <laughs> all of this, mm. right? So the, life life is, I mean, it's a very lively family. So there's mm. always things. and So just because I'm there, they wouldn't stop doing things. There mm. was only maybe a few times, especially when they were cleaning, that I, when they said we don't want you to photograph hmm. but I never really understood because it would show that they care and they clean but somehow it was something they didn't like yeah hmm. that's interesting yeah. yeah and so now this were you working on other things while you were at RISD or did this become your primary project you were working on it became my primary project yeah hmm. I did some of course I photographed more I guess f- other smaller projects hmm. um Nothing really. <laughs> yeah, Some it took foreclosure. over. Yeah. yeah, it took over, and it, yeah, it. I also started to do a little bit of video in one semester, and I fo- um, did a short documentary about Jennifer's family as well. Mm. But then, even I mean, the work continued before the book was published, at least a year or so after RISD. 
okay. I kept going back to to Providence and photographing. And now there's still contact because I mean we developed this really close friendship, and um, so I try to go at least a few times a year to visit and say hi. And I don't know, maybe you know, mm. I might follow and see. I mean, I'm yeah, I want to know what what's yeah, you made what happened to connection. the family. Yeah. yeah. Now, were you working with um, uh, Eva Sutton while you were there? Was she there? Yes, she was actually. Because I was of... thinking she she also did not, not also did, but she did fo photo projects where she was going to um, I forget which country she's in, but she's going to places where people were living in you know not shack houses there, people living in shanty towns. Shanty towns. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay. She was mm. photographing people in shanty towns and um, and so doing sort of like social conscious documentary projects was i don't know if she was doing that while you were there or not or? no she was actually okay, yeah. yeah and she was definitely i mean the teachers are great and very helpful um i mean doing a documentary project at RISD was kind of a challenge i mean mm. i got a lot of kind of think um questions and why are you doing this being a white you know woman and why you're interested in in kind of such a dark theme here in america and mm -hmm. That really pushed me to think, you know, and face a lot of things I didn't even think at the beginning because racism here is way more grounded than in Germany, for example. So mm. I had to deal with a lot of <laughs> critique also. I mean, but I've, mm. I always see critique as something positive. You know, it, it helps you to grow and, and think further. And I guess at the end, really, you know, when they saw it in the final thesis exhibition and the first book dummy that yeah it came together as a project and it was i was not exploiting this family i really was working together with them and they came to the opening what was really lovely to see mm. and that was at yeah. the gallery k office right is that where you guys had your show or was there a show first at RISD? first at RISD, okay. yeah and then at kayaras in boston and also at dancinger in, okay. in new york yeah oh, nice. he gave us a week that was really yeah, nice sometimes yeah. the answer to the question is are you exploiting people is Look at the photographs, right? Yeah, you can see the humanity in your photographs. Yeah, that's what I hope. And if people don't see it, I mean, I can't do anything <laughs> for them. That's we are, you know, we always want to see what we see. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about how this grew into a book project because you know, now you're you have the your thesis show, but you're still photographing, and you, you're going back. You said for another year, even adding more photographs to the yeah, project. Yeah, and the, the books keeps going around i mm. mean i have another exhibition coming up in, in munich mm. not sorry not in munich in fierenheim kunstverein it's an art organization mm. where i shot a project again the book um yeah i mean i had a you know i had the first dummy and with my project beforehand i also was kind of looking if i could publish it in a book so i kind of already knew a little bit who to approach and what to do so i went to um, paris photo mm -hmm. and when to meet Martin Schild, who mm -hmm. is a publisher, who's in Amsterdam, Netherlands. And yeah, I showed him both of my projects. The one, the other one I'm talking about is um, the youth culture project from the Republic of Georgia. Mm -hmm. And then Jennifer's family. And yeah, he said immediately, okay, I really love this project. I've, you know, it's, it's beautiful in its ways. And explain what the deals are and how it works. And if I'm interested, I should send him an email. Mm. Yeah. And I followed through what I learned <laughs> so far in my career. That it is important because there are always a lot of opportunities. But if you, yeah, you really have to follow up and stick with it. Otherwise, mm -hmm. people, you know, they forget about it, and then mm -hmm. next things come. And yeah, then it, w it took more than a year. So I would always, when I'm in Germany for Christmas to see my parents, I would make a trip through Amsterdam, 
meet with a designer and um, then there was a big question, okay, what do we want for text? And I felt I don't want to talk more about this project and about my experience. I really wanted to have their own voices in the book, giving them a chance to yeah, talk about their own life. And so I went back and worked with a former teacher of mine, Marade Byrne. Mm. She's a poetry and English teacher herself. She's from Ireland. She mm. moved, settled. This to was from Germany? No. Um, RISD? RISD. Oh, okay. Mm. And yeah, she because she was I was writing about it in one of her classes about Jennifer's family as a project, and she remembered and she was really supportive and kind of mm. yeah keep going and do this work if you feel like it. And so I knew that she's interested in in the work and has a good sense of words, of course. And it's more or less really quotes and essays from the family that she described from interviews we both did with the family and sometimes as I said I was documenting them as well and I had some really interesting footage just by sitting in a car and driving we were talking for example. Yeah. Were you doing those interviews all along the way or is this after you thought of maybe putting together a, as a book? Um, since I did this documentary still when I was at RISD I had already some footage but then knowing I will publish the book I went back and we did another interview with more specific questions that we knew that it's important for the reader you know to learn because if you look at the pictures you don't really know okay how old is she how many children do does she have and where does the money come from to pay the rent so all these and this yeah you wanted to fill in a bigger story and and these the the text you got for the book is that also part of what became the documentary um no oh okay the documentary was done before <laughs> oh okay and is the documentary i didn't is it linked on your website somewhere because I didn't find it. It is not, no. Okay. <laughs> ah, okay. it's, uh, it's not been around very much, but ah, maybe okay. I should. <laughs> well, yeah. we'd be happy to uh, <laughs> promote it. Okay, great. Yeah. Are, are you not happy with it, how it came out? Or? No, actually, I like it, yeah. Okay, just it's been kept secret. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, this is not a linear, very linear, but I just thought I would jump into the fact that uh, of how you came to be here in a way today is that you know, we're, Michael and I are always thinking about who guests are going to be, and of course, you know, photographers and people in the photo field. But um, the first, the first twelve episodes were all centered around uh, people who are former students of Thomas Roma, who you have met, mm -hmm. and um, and then we sort of branched out from there. And and a lot of the loops still come back to Tom because he knows a lot of people and people that we know in common. Uh, but we've. You know, we also want to make sure that we're bringing in people from all over and, you know, having a diverse voice on this show and many as guests as possible. So I thought it'd be interesting to say how we met, which was uh, I was on, on the way home on the L train and I think it was like two or three stops before Jefferson Street <laughs> stop. And uh, Louisa was on the train reading. I'm pretty sure it was Der Spiegel. You're probably I, you were definitely reading a German magazine. Yes. I think it was. I think it was uh, Spiegel. And uh, I don't even remember what I said. It was like, oh, Spiegel. I used to read that. You know, great photographs in it, or whatever I said. And then it just was a coincidence that you happened to be a photographer. And then we spoke about photography. And then we even knew Susan Kismerick in common was a you know. I was like, oh, okay, great. So complete coincidence i mean mm -hmm. if you had and of course we happen to live off the same subway stop talk about casting the net out of it's just new york city on the subway you know yeah that's running, actually running into another photographer totally yeah, yeah and amazing. starting conversation on the subway always goes that well oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah of course yes for our, for our listeners who are planning on visiting new york for the first time we highly encourage you to see someone reading a book or something just start up a conversation with them and, 
I think that's the beauty of New York that you really meet a lot of people and you never know who you talk to who this person might be and yeah. so yeah that's that's great I like it a How lot. long have you been in New York? Um since 2010. So after RISD um but I keep going back home to also do work there as well. Yeah. Or travel for. <laughs> right. Yeah, so do you want to talk a little bit about other work that you're doing and things to do to support yourself? I mean, I know you're teaching, for example. You could probably talk a little bit about... Yeah. Um, was it Fresh Fresh Art, right? The Fresh Art in New fresh York City? Fresh Art, yeah. This is... Well, I met Fresh Art through RTP. That's called Rehabilitation Through Photography. Mm -hmm. They might have changed the name, but <laughs> that's the old name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's an old institution of um, helping people... Um, through photography, like people with special needs or so, um, as well as fresh art. They do a lot of teaching art classes. And mm -hmm. I taught for several years at um, Henry Street Settlement mm -hmm. in the Lower East yeah. Side, a group of people who have been formal, have been homeless at one point in their life, and now they live in this community housing. And this has been a great experience, yeah. yeah First of all, working in the Lower East Side, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I worked <laughs> down there for yeah. a long time, and I photographed kids who used to go to this private school down there mm -hmm. that would pay for their tuition and all. And uh, I spent I spent probably three years photographing different families, and, and similar to, to uh, what you did with Jennifer's family, I, I actually spent uh, probably two of those years with one family in particular uh, in the uh, in the housing projects. Uh, and... and the reason why I had asked, were you a kind of quiet observer or were you involved? Was it was a, I had a, a similar experience where when you start and there there are times where you're trying to be a little bit of a fly on the wall and trying to you know not get in the way. But but when families are open, when people are open, it, it's impossible. And they they want you to be they want you to participate and they want you to eat dinner with them and they want you to watch TV with them. And you you even if you weren't planning on it, you develop this relationship with them. Yeah. First of all, I want to see the work <laughs> you're talking about. <laughs> and second, yeah, it's it's always a balance you kind of have to have, right? Being active and engaging and then stepping back and kind of, yeah, I feel like I, I reduce totally myself to the camera. I forget about me, how I look, what's happening. I really don't just, I'm there to take a picture. And I don't know, maybe it must yeah. um, shine through. I don't know that, right. um, you know, I, I sometimes wonder myself that, you know, I'm not given more attention in some cases, but... I guess when you feel comfortable with somebody, you're just yourself as well. So they would be having, for example, a fight and I'm, I'm there, okay. So, mm. or having a moment of joy. And right. so they, they don't care, yeah, because they would do it in front of an, uh, another family member, member as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think they, similarly, said, you said that they were, you were help at a certain point, you started helping them and mm. things like that. I, that. I think that's how they saw me as well because I, I had known people through the school the kids were going to, and and so they saw me as someone who was also helping their kids out. Yeah. yeah. And so then you were at you were teaching this photo class at Henry Street Settlement for a couple of years. Or yes, what? for three four years, and mm -hmm. it's um it was always a yeah it was running through kind of as a workshop for mm -hmm. fifteen weeks. One, we would meet once a week, and then I would start to make field trips because I felt it's really nice for them to get out of their building too and kind of see more of New York because I mean some of them have still issues with or, or are on medication and it was kind of yeah treatment I mean it was in some I mean there was this <laughs> lovely Spanish woman who would hardly take any pictures but for her it was more about being part and being part of the community mm. um, or the group and um, and then I realized it's really good to, to have a at the end of the workshop to have an exhibition mm. 
because it gives them kind of yeah like they would feel very proud at the end and they see all of a the sudden they realize oh wow i took this picture that's that's my work and we had some yeah a few shows with the work that was yeah mm, nice. sounds great <laughs> and then uh you obviously you mentioned at the beginning uh, we're getting this commission from uh from the go russian government right to mm -hmm. go and photograph but what what other things are you doing like that are you yeah i've done a few um yeah well, how you call them is a kind of project right or i was part of the fourth um cultural um meeting between china and europe in in luxembourg mm. <laughs> where there oh, was of in, all places yeah yeah small but <laughs> <laughs> interesting place yeah in a beautiful city and it was also in luxembourg city and mm. um that so being there and participating and we were two photographers um, producing two European and two Chinese and then we would also have an exhibition and through this workshop for example or this kind of yeah conference where they also invited like contemporary artists um, I got to meet the creator of CNA that's the Centre National de l'Audiovisuel it's a very nice name yeah <laughs> French again <laughs> and they have a huge archive and also um, a lot of exhibition space mm. and yeah, this, for example, brought me my first museum show that they remember Jennifer's family. And all of a mm. sudden, I got an email saying, oh, we have all, we have an open gap. Um, so they, they built a new tower. It was an old water tower that they built into a museum and mm. then the house before. And they said, oh, we are, we, we're opening it and we have Edward Steichen's collection of families, family of men. Mm. And we would, they said, yeah, we, we think you work Jennifer's family as a more contemporary body of work about a similar theme would fit perfectly so i got invited to have a show there and, great yeah nice but uh i'm just thinking of mm -hmm. uh like for example i i work closely with the mfa students here right and uh most of them are going out and they're probably going to rent a studio near where their other people are and have studio visits mm -hmm. and so they're and they're thinking about galleries maybe that they're going to be approaching and things like that but they're not too many of them, I think, are, are looking for these types of opportunities where they're going to be, you know, getting a commission or going to work with, uh, you know, going to document some event that's happening, like the Chinese meeting up. And so did, was this always in your mind from the beginning that that this was the kind of work you wanted to continue doing and to be using photography to, you know, travel and, and you know, and, and participate in things like this? Yeah, I guess that's what I really enjoy doing, but it doesn't happen all the year and too often, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so that's, yeah, I, I feel these days with photography, you have to be really open and especially what I do, I, you know, I have exhibitions and that's more into the fine art world and then I do commission work and work for magazines and so you really have to struggle and go, yeah, work in different fields and to survive, especially here in New York. Um I mean, even, you know, having shows and, and luckily selling work and having a collector who, like Raymond Leacy, I don't know if you know him in my books, Bomb. No, but you mentioned it in your email. Yeah, they, he's, he's, he's really well known. I mean, that's, that's lucky, but still it's, it's a long way to really, you know, yeah, you're not you can live rent. from selling yeah, exactly. your, your prints. No, <laughs> but that's why, if, you know, I, I'm open and I, I definitely look for those venues where I get the chance to travel and, and see different parts of the world and doing what I, you know, love doing. And then the other commercial work, how do you, how are you getting that? Like you're... It's mainly more editorial. I don't really do a lot of advertising yet, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Make, yeah. Um, 
that's also i mean you meet editors mm -hmm. you have those meetings like we all probably do and showing that you're available that's good when you travel you you can tell editors okay now i'm here you know, right. I'm available i will be in siberia who has a job there i don't know yeah. if you need a good picture of a highway in siberia i'm your woman i will be there yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and do you plan on staying in new york then or um so far i do mm. yeah because sometimes you go away for big periods of time or right for or is that my imagination? no that's true because normally if i go To Germany, there's always things also happening, an exhibition or a job or um, a project I'm working on. I started something in Ukraine that I haven't yet finished. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's um, right. I think one of the last times I was speaking to you, you're like, oh, I'm headed to Ukraine. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. So I always try to, because the flight is not cheap, right? So if I go, I try to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. spend some time in Europe as well. And I mean, there's, of course, my family I also enjoy mm. seeing her. Ah, well that, and now you're on the record. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, if my family. Yeah, if your family listens to this, then oh. they say, yeah. No, they know I love them. <laughs> It's not just for the gallery shows. That's right. I'm going to see the family. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a, a show coming up or a show that just happened in Brazil? Well, yeah, I had a show in Munich that was with work from Brazil. Oh, okay. And that was actually, yeah, I traveled there self-assigned <laughs> sometimes happens too you know if nobody sends me i just go and do my my yeah. things yeah and what was what was that work like what was that work about there was more about a lifestyle and a feeling about people who live in brazil particularly in Salvador de bahia where i stayed in a favela for almost a month so i really had close access to again a smaller community of people living in not the easiest conditions how did you get access to that I play capoeira, that's a Brazilian fight dance, and yeah. my master, my master um, well, he, he comes from there, and he Great. he went with um, his, they're not married, but wife, and mm -hmm. she's a good friend, and I, yeah, I really always wanted to go, and I took the opportunity to go with them, yeah. Oh, that's great. We just uh, had a conversation Last weekend, I yeah. heard last week with um, a Brazilian photographer, Andre Leon, who uh, Brazilian and European in a way. Right, and where by the time this show is out, you would have heard that episode because <laughs> that's okay. the next episode. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but he was just talking about you know conditions in Sao Paulo more. But he you know he grew up outside of uh, like 300 kilometers. I think he said outside of uh, Sao Paulo and just describing everything there and that going back there was kind of heartbreaking for him, you know, to after he, he's a more of a conflict photographer. So he's been like, you know, on the ground in mm. all these war torn countries and then had his heart broken going back to Brazil. So uh, how did you find it there? Um, yeah. Worse definitely. than South Providence or? Yes. I mean, way more dangerous. I think Brazil was really the, yeah, the country where I felt the most unsafe in some ways, also with a big camera. You know, you hide it in plastic bags or whatever, but still, I mean, I think the scary part is that you can get shot. It's not, okay, they might steal it. Okay, I lose my camera, but I still, you know, have my life. But they are out of, yeah, poverty and hopelessness, right? I mean, it's for them sometimes safer to shoot you. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not a comfortable feeling. I mean, yeah, it's nice <laughs> to walk around freely as we can here. I mean, we, we still can. And yeah. Providence, yeah. Okay. Actually, um When I met from Jennifer for the first time, she was saying, okay, oh, girl, you should, you know, hide your camera and, and walk back to your car and don't keep going 
straight because this is not a good street. So I guess also that she was saying this showed me that she she cares yeah. and I can trust her. I mean, it was really at the first few sentences she said. Um, I think I, so I've had someone say that to me before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you should put that camera away and you yeah. know, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. This isn't a good block to be on. Or, and, you know, sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. Yeah, yeah but know. it's also how you feel. And I think it's a huge part, how, you know, if you kind of have an aura of, okay, I feel comfortable and I'm trying to blend in, even if you maybe don't, right? But if you're worried all the time, I always feel like the risk that something will happen might <laughs> is big. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think your your body language tends to change how people see you. And if you feel suspicious, you might look suspicious, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. We just had a conversation with Matt Stewart, who was sitting exactly mm. in the chair you're sitting in, <laughs> uh, the only other person we've interviewed in this office. And he does these, uh, takes people out for street photography workshops. And part of what he tries to get to them is how not to stand out because you're looking so nervous or mm. like always looking through your camera and all these sorts of things. Yeah. And since we do do some sort of tech tech nerdism on this show. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so very little. <laughs> yeah, very little. But, but I think I remember you telling me you were shooting with a Canon 5D or is that, do I misremember? No, you're right. Okay. Um, Canon because my father was shooting Canon. <laughs> so I stayed with the Brand same loyalty. system. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it switched, I mean, my whole education was analog photography. Mm -hmm. And I guess right when I, in 2007, I graduated from Germany. So that was also when I got my first digital camera and it was mm -hmm. a 5D. So yeah, now I kept going and stayed with the 5D number three by now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's the new one I don't have yet, but <laughs> yeah. well, we, we will see. <laughs> the 5D SR. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, whenever I get the chance, I still sometimes shoot film. I have a Hasselblad and a Waller Flex. Mm. And so it's nice. It's oh, like a very tiny one that's film. So, mm. but I mean, it's just, I guess, for jobs and big projects. I feel comfortable doing and I actually I'm happy because often people ask me oh they don't know looking at the work they say oh is it short digital or not so I guess I see it as a compliment sure. <laughs> if it doesn't yeah. look you know like very <laughs> digital whatever. first why are you asking and then right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when you when you do shoot film are you shooting black and white or are you shooting color now more color but mm. sometimes also black and white yeah I've been to Calcutta I don't know to mention a new country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. As I say, so far we've got I India, know, yeah. Republic of Georgia. Just keep rubbing it in. Yeah, yeah. Where you yeah. yeah, Calcutta in 2005 during my studies. Um, and there I was shooting a lot black and white, yeah, oh, but 35 millimeter. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because most people are going to go yeah. there and shoot color, right? Because yeah. it's so because they're mesmerized by the color. Right? Mm. Yeah, and most of it's terrible. Because <laughs> of it, yeah. Because of that, yeah. Oh, and I should I do? I have something to say. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Just came here yeah, like yeah. I took a note here. Yes, yeah. Louise is looking at her notes. <laughs> so far, I think maybe the only guest who came with notes. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Everyone else was winging it. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't looked at them a lot, but yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> we do have a German here. So I guess. I'm gonna teach another. We were talking about workshops, yeah. right? And I'm gonna teach a workshop in Berlin coming ah. up in June. Great. So the first weekend of June um, and the f first or last weekend of June, July kind of overlaps um, with Emerge, Young Photojournalism in Germany. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a storytelling workshop. Great. So if somebody's yeah, we'll, interested. <laughs> we'll link to it on our, we'll link to it for sure on the website. Yeah, that's connected with a school? Like connected with a Emerge, that's, they have a magazine and also an online platform. Oh, okay. And it's, yeah, it's German documentary photography that they feature. 
Nice. Great. So you're going to be taking people around Berlin photo photographing or they're going to be going out photographing and bring stuff back to you to look at? Well, yeah, ideally they already have a project started or something in mind. So we meet and discuss and edit if there's something already and then they have three weeks to keep working on the project by mm -hmm. themselves. And then we meet again and then kind of finish the projects and I have editing and guidance. Does it involve video as well or is it more just writing, still photographs? Still photographs? I mean, actually, I haven't thought about it, but mm. I don't mind looking at video as well. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And how did, how did that come about? Well, I met them at the Lumix Photo Festival maybe two years ago. Mm. And then they featured Jennifer's family on their website and mm. the book as well. And I was just checking if they sold books <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> nice. maybe a few months ago. And then he said, oh, by the way, we, are we, have, we have now a space mm. in Berlin and we wanted to start workshops. And I said, yeah, sure, yeah. I, I do one. And he yeah. said, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Great. So, yeah. Yeah, part of, you know, just part of the reason I'm asking is, uh, you know, it's a lot of times you'll say, oh, you got to hustle, you got to do this, you got to do that. But I'm... Just curious to see as you're someone who doesn't have a full-time job, right? And uh, you're living in New York, which is very expensive, and yet you're traveling the world making photographs. And so I think it's important for, I think people will be interested in hearing like these things like, oh, you met someone two years ago at, you know, a festival and then the conversation continues they liked this body of work and now this new opportunity comes about right yeah no that's definitely um important you know you you meet somebody and then you might get disappointed that you i mean i went to the new york times portfolio review recently and mm -hmm. everybody goes of course with a little bit of hope that something comes out immediately and it most of the time it doesn't right so mm -hmm. don't have too many expectations that's what i learned so far mm -hmm. and then keep in touch with the people you meet and you never know right maybe yeah you meet somebody a few years ago and all of a sudden they offer you something and you will work with them mm -hmm. so it's kind of a gentle persistent <laughs> <laughs> um, that helps and building up I guess a network and uh, some advice and former teacher of mine was you know telling me was to Stay in touch with your former classmates. Mm. You never know what they will become, right? And it's true. Now I have friends who are um, editors at bigger magazines or Süddeutsche Zeitung in Germany. Um, mm. Doesn't mean that you off get work from them immediately, but still, you know, keep in touch and it might help. Yeah. yeah. Is the uh, is the book still in print, still available, Jennifer's Family? Yes. I Now I'm kind of in charge of oh, them. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I have them all in my house, so I'm happy to send out signed copies to everybody who, yeah, who wants one copy. Well, how would how would people purchase the book? Um, email me. Yeah, oh, okay. Just send me an email. Uh, they're still around in bookshops, too. So it could be that you know they still have them on stock. Um, but otherwise, if they really also want a signed copy, I... I'm right. happy to send oh, the more valuable signed copy, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> Go directly to the source. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll link. We'll link to the website and your email address and all that. Then. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And so, what's next? There's still the project in Ukraine about my grandfather. Okay. Who who's German, but he was in traveled through Ukraine during World War Two. Mm. Um, yeah, I got a little bit now on hold because of the war that began again and it's not really about the actual war i was i have and i have to go to the eastern part so what's oh, not there and i don't see myself as a war photographer <laughs> so it, um, in what capacity mm, was he traveling through the ukraine he was walking marching through to be stationed in the mountains close to the um yeah in the caucasus um because he was trained as a mountain soldier mm -hmm. but it was more or less nonsense i mean he he was there and it was he said, I mean, not really a reason to be there. And then he got sick and what saved his life more or less because 
he was allowed to go home and then they my grandmother helped him to find a way to don't have to go back and become an engineer at the marine in mm. northern Germany. So, yeah, luckily because most of his friends who were there stationed, I mean, they never made it back because, of course, as we all know, the, the war ended when all the people still were in Russia and Ukraine and their way back was uh, yeah, deadly. What, what was that last thing you said? They, oh, the well, way back was deadly. Oh, the, the way, way back. back was deadly, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Because when he walked through Ukraine in the beginning, Ukraine was kind of more on the side of um, Hitler, so they were all very welcoming and nice. And he, I mean, his stories, they were... Most of them were good. I mean, it's hard. I mean, that's I interviewed a lot of people who survived the war, and I always wanted to hear those real stories. But I felt it's it's hard for them to to first of all remember, and then if they remember, it's most of the time the good ones. Mm. But they really don't want to talk about it, and that's also where the project is linked to is about how if you get you know older, you you kind of you haven't maybe spoke about the whole war and your your experience um and then when you get older you want to talk about it maybe one more time and that happened mm. to my grandfather too and i seem to be his talk to person because right. i showed interest because of georgia that means i was close to um, the caucasus mm. and that i think triggered also my interest and then we had a yeah and then he passed away and then i went so it was kind of i needed mm. i sometimes i thought oh i should have went earlier but it happened to it. Yeah, yeah I, I imagine it's a really difficult subject to broach with people, right? Yeah, being German, right? And yeah. asking about, oh, how were the German yeah. <laughs> soldiers? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was one woman who said, no, I, I can't talk to you. Mm -hmm. So, But what I, I mean, I understood. It's yeah. okay. Um, but the others were... Just I mean, tell them that that's a Brooklyn accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I live in Bushwick, and this is, uh, this is my Brooklyn accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what I do next, I... So far, I mean, I go back to Germany for this workshop and for another mm -hmm. exhibition, and then I have an artist residency in in Norway. Nice. And I have to say, I'm not sure yet what I will do, but I'm researching right now and try to find a story. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's also some refugees in Norway, what could be interesting right. to see how far and you know they get and what they do in a small village in Norway. And, and you're waiting for the Ukraine to sort of settle down a bit before going back there? Um, well, it it has been on hold for a little bit, yeah, mm. the project. Um, but I um, I plan to finish it. Yes. Well, uh, wonderful to hear about all the globe trotting and everything <laughs> else. I mean, uh -oh. <laughs> I and I was feeling good that I'm going to be going to Italy for like maybe a week at most, you know. And I haven't been to Europe. I haven't been to Europe in a long time. Yeah, mm. it's yeah. been a while. So. Well, you can practice your German, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So, I mean, you spend a considerable amount of time here. Is there is there work you're doing in Brooklyn? Is there work you're doing around the, the neighborhood? I was thinking about this the other day, that I should have done a project about, especially Bushwick, where I live, because when I moved there in 2010, it was quite different to what it is now. Very um, much so, yeah. But there's something about, it's sometimes hard, I feel, living in a space and photographing, because, mm. I don't know, you're always from A to B, and you're on there, and I mean, yeah, not to say that you can't, but I just haven't taken the time yet to focus on a project here. But that's also something I still would like to do. And yeah. I, just the beginning, right? I feel the beginning is always the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, finding something to do, something. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you've got to be able to slowly work on multiple things. And as you're traveling around and doing all these other things, yeah. it would make sense to have something you could do. And I need a project. Um, yeah, I mean, I enjoy to take pictures whenever, right? I mean, I do take street pictures mm -hmm. and 
but it, I, yeah, my work is more based on projects instead of yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you had other photographers sitting here, as yeah, you mentioned, yeah. right? <laughs> street photography. Yeah. yeah. Are you on Instagram? I am. Twitter. Not very. No, Twitter. Not, I mean, yes, yes, all of this. I give yeah, you yeah. all my details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, I know sometimes there's photographers who the outlet for the non-project work has become right. posting stuff on on social media, be it Instagram or something else. So. Yeah, I think it's it's becomes yeah, it's kind of important these days. So, I want to post more on my Instagram feed. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Inspired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pushed as well. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Thank well, you. thank you very much. This has been fantastic. Yeah, thank yeah. you both. Thanks yeah. for coming, Louisa. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. Looking bye everyone. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>